Welcome to our Deep Rooted Podcast, a weekly podcast featuring our latest live Bible study, as well as other encouraging messages and teachings from our hearts to yours. All right. Who's happy to be here this morning? Man, last week was amazing. It was so good. We had a few new faces in here that we've never met, and it was it was good to see them. And we're we're expecting more in the future, more to come, more new faces. We're gonna do events in the future with park picnic Bible studies and all that stuff. It's gonna be good. But until then, we're just gonna be here for a few hours. All right. Okay. So last week, if you're with us, we were talking about breakthrough, and that was the uh, that was the topic that we started, and we're going to be continuing this series called It's Time for a Breakthrough, um, because you were made for more. You were made for more than what you are currently living in right now. And last week, we established, you know, in the Christian life, sometimes it feels like, it feels like you're just stuck, like you're stuck in a rut, and you can't, you can't get to the next thing that God wants for you. Um, or maybe you're, you're going through a, a really hard circumstance, a really hard trial, and you don't know when it's going to end, why you're going through it, and you need a breakthrough. You need something to, you need something in your life. You need power in your life to break through that circumstance, to break through that storm, so you can see what God really has in store for you. And, you know, that was, I was going through that a few years ago where I just felt like in my own Christian life, there was more. There was more for me to experience. Every time I would be in worship, every time I was in the word, whenever I was with the Lord, I felt like I was just going to explode from the inside out and I couldn't get it out. I didn't understand what was happening, why it wasn't coming out, whatever needed to come out wasn't coming out. And it wasn't until I uh, actually this weekend four years ago, um, was when I got filled with the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, that that feeling that I would have before, it was released. It was unleashed. And I never felt like that again. Um, because when that came, that feeling came, it would release because I had a breakthrough. And ever since then, everything else has changed for me. My understanding of a lot of things has changed. Um, it's just been a crazy experience, and I don't have time to share all of it. But what I'm sharing with you tonight, or man, I always say tonight, what I'm sharing with you this morning and in the thing in the years to come and the decades to come are all from what the Lord has shown me because of what happened four years ago. Without the power of the Holy Spirit coming into my life, my understanding of Scripture was dim. My enlightenment on certain things was was foggy. I didn't understand a lot of things. And I was struggling in life because I didn't have the power. So last week, we talked about the power. That's the first thing you need before you get your breakthrough. You need the power of the Holy Spirit working on the inside of you, working inside of you so that it can come out on the outward, so that you can have your breakthrough. Now that you have the power, there's also other things that you need to break through that that are keeping you from your breakthrough. And tonight, this morning, I want to talk about unforgiveness. Unforgiveness in your heart. 
Now, there's been a lot of scriptures that have been preached about unforgiveness that have been butchered. I'm going to try not to do that today. But having unforgiveness in your heart is like a mental prison. When you have a grudge against someone, when you have angst with someone, and there's something in your heart that, that is bitter towards someone, that's called unforgiveness, if you are not aware of that. But unforgiveness, it keeps you from living your life in freedom. Because you're constantly thinking about them. You're constantly thinking about what they did to you while they're living in freedom. They don't even know what they did to you. And they don't even know you're, you're frustrated or mad with them because you haven't addressed it, you haven't talked to them, and you haven't forgiven them in your heart. And so you're, you're in a mental prison while they're off living in, in, in joy and, and living in peace and living in happiness. And you know, how do you deal with conflict when it's someone else's fault, right? Because we all know it's never our fault, right? But how do you deal with conflict when it's someone else? When, you, when you've gotten in an argument with someone, when you've disagreed with someone else, when they've hurt you and then they just live their life and whatever, they don't even acknowledge you and you have this anger, you have this bitterness, how do you deal with that when someone else is the problem, And we have a lot of scriptures with Jesus as a prime example of what to do. But I want to talk about unforgiveness because unforgiveness can be categorized as strife. When you have strife, you have division between someone. There's this unbalance in a relationship with someone when there's strife. It can happen in a marriage. It can happen in a friendship. It can happen in, in a church body, a church family. But the, the, the point is, strife is connected with unforgiveness. In James 3.16, you don't have to turn there, but it says, For wherever envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So what does the Bible say? That God is not the author of confusion. So God's not the author of confusion. So we can understand that God is not the author of envy and strife. So if there's envy and strife in your life, don't be in your prayer closet going, Lord, thank you for this trial you put me through. No, no, no. God did not cause envy and strife or confusion. Who is the author of confusion? The enemy. The enemy is the one who confuses. The enemy is the one who divides. He still kills and destroys. And it says where there's envy and strife, there is every evil work. Not just some. Every. Every single evil work that there is, is at work. It might not all be manifested at once, but there is definitely every evil work happening. And you know, many people, they're believing the Lord for healing in an area of their life. They're believing the Lord for a financial breakthrough in their life. They're believing the Lord maybe for deliverance in in their mental health or in their family, in their children. Whatever it is, there's a need of a breakthrough, but what they don't understand is if you have unforgiveness, you've en- you've opened the door for envy and for strife and every evil work. So it's not that God's just withholding his blessing and withholding the breakthrough and saying, nope, go deal with this a little longer and then I'll give you breakthrough. What's happening is there's unforgiveness in your heart. 
There's unforgiveness inside of you, and you're not living in freedom because every evil works at play. Satan's just there watching you live your life and watching you be angry at someone and he's throwing another thing. Here's another insult. Here's another reason to be angry. Here's another this and that. And you're trying to get free from it, but you're allowing every single attack from the enemy right in because there's envy and because there's strife. But when you understand God's love, when you understand God's love, then you can understand forgiveness. You can understand how to forgive. Because in 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 through 21, these are some tough scriptures to, to swallow if you have unforgiveness. And uh, it says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Wow. So if you don't know love, you don't know God. Because God is love. I'm not talking about a world love. I'm not talking about... Um, peace at all costs kind of love. You know, if you have peace at all costs, you know what that means? You're willing to compromise who you are, what you believe. Because if it's peace at all costs, then that means I'm not going to preach the word because it offends people. I'm not going to say the truth because I don't want to get someone's feelings hurt. That's not love. Love, we just read it earlier with Jesus and the, the rich young ruler. He told him the truth and the rich young ruler he chose to be sad. He chose to be offended. And it was a hard saying. And he left. There's many other times where, man, I love Jesus. Because there's many other times where he's preaching and he's talking about the communion elements, the bread and the blood and partaking of his bread and partaking of his blood and his body. And he tells them that if you don't eat from my body and if you don't drink from my blood, you're not saved. And they're saying, what are you talking about? And they were thinking literally about cannibalism. You mean we have to eat your actual flesh and drink your blood? And you know what Jesus says? He goes, oh, I'm sorry, guys, wait, don't leave. No, he doesn't say that. He repeats it and says it again. If you do not drink of my blood and eat of my flesh, you're not of me. And what did they do? They all left. Every single person he was preaching to left, hundreds. And then he turns to his disciples and says, are you guys going to leave too? It's an amazing scripture because what did Jesus do? He was telling the truth. Now, they didn't understand what the symbol was, but he didn't stop what he was saying to, wait, wait, understand what I'm saying, guys. Don't leave. We need numbers. Come on, give your tithes. Come on. That's not what he did. But unfortunately, a lot of the church today is operating that way. They say something on the stage and they say, oh, man, that was a little harsh. Okay, wait, hold on, guys. God loves you so much and uh, don't leave and they get so afraid of people leaving because of offense and because of uh, whatever. But that's not the way Jesus operated. That's not the way God's love is. So when you understand God's love, you know God. Verse 9, in this was manifested the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son to the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we love God but that God loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, here's this. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby, 
Okay, I don't want to go forward. That scripture, I love that scripture so much. That in us, his love is perfected. Wow. God's love is perfected in us. Do you know what that means? This is, this is the way the Lord showed me. Without us, God can't love people. God cannot love a single person without us because God uses us to show the love of God to others. God uses us to be the lights, to be the vessels, to be everything he is for people to see him. Because why? No one has seen God. No one's seen him. So how can God love someone if he's not even seeing them? If he's not, if you can't see him, do you know what I mean? That's why he created us. He created us so that he could love us, so that we could love him, and that we could love others. Without us, God's love was, it wasn't flawed, it was incomplete. It was incomplete. And with us, with him creating us, his love was perfected in us. We don't make God's love perfect, but he made us to make his love perfect. It's all, it's all about him. Everything is about him. It's not about us. You don't get a high head saying, God can't love people without me. That's not what I'm saying here. All I'm saying is, without us, without the body of Christ showing God's love to people, no one's going to feel his love. No one's going to feel his love. So it's so important for us to understand to show God's love. So it says, where did I leave off? Here we go. In verse 13, hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And he and we have seen and do testify that the father that sent Jesus to be the savior of our world, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed that the love of God has to us. And this, I love this scripture. God is love. He that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. God is love. Now, this scripture can be applied to so many other things, so many things. And this is what we've stood on for our whole life uh, since we've been revealed all this, this knowledge. But God's love is the same love that's inside of us. And if we're just like Jesus, the others will experience God's love. Verse 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man says, now this is where I want us to be. If a man says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is what? A liar. He is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he can't see? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God loves his brother also. So before we get any further with forgiveness and 
learning about forgiveness and dealing with unforgiveness, you got to know the love. You got to know God's love. Because without knowing his love, we cannot say we know God. And this isn't for us to look at others and say, oh, they don't know God's love. They don't know. They, they don't act like God's love. They're not God's love and they're not Christians. We can't do that. That's not for us, but that's for everyone to evaluate in their own heart. Do you know God's love? Do you know God's love to where, man, you look at Jesus and he's getting betrayed by his disciple. He's not only just Judas, but Peter denying him three times, getting betrayed. And then all these Roman soldiers getting Jesus, bounding him in chains, beating him, spitting on him, making fun of him, mocking him. And on the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Man, that's love. That's love. And if you don't know that love, Scripture says you don't know God. And again, that's all. That's for us to evaluate. That's for us to check in our own heart. Lord, do I know your love? And maybe I know a little bit about your love. I want to know all of your love. If that's you, that's for you to decide. But when you don't know God's love, if you, if you say you know you love God, and, but you don't love your brother, you don't love your neighbor, you don't love other people, that's what, being a hypocrite. That's called living a double life. In James 1, it says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, and he shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Why? Not because God's going to say, you're double-minded, I'm not going to give you this. But because you're saying, I don't even know how to receive from the Lord. Because I'm one way this way, I'm another the next. I don't, I don't know stability. I don't know how to receive something. So the first point I want to nail in is you just need to forgive. Because without forgiveness, nothing else I'm going to talk about matters. You need to forgive, period. You just need to forgive. Matthew 5, verse 44, Jesus was talking to, a, he was giving this beautiful sermon. He says, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Bless them. Now here's, pay attention to these words. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? That, the, that, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the publicans do the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not the publicans do that also? Be you therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. I'm seeing that word a lot. Perfect. 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 Doesn't mean flawless. Be without sin. Be 100% perfect. That's impossible. We went through that earlier, earlier this morning. That You cannot be perfect. There's something wrong with you. Amen. <laughs> but what does that mean bless them that curse you do good to them that hate you pray for them that despisefully use you 
All of those things require you to be in communication with that person. Did you know that? You cannot bless someone you don't talk to. You cannot pray for someone who uses you if you're not in communication with them. Those all require you to be with them. How can someone use you if you're not with them? You have to be with them. And there's a lot of people who pray or they, they, they say, you can love from a distance, which is true. You can love from a distance. But if that's your approach to every single person that rubs you the wrong way, that's wrong. We're called to be the light of the world. We're called to be, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're called to be light to people. And how can we be light if we're over here in our corner because every person offends us? Every person makes us mad. I don't want to deal with them. I don't want to go out tonight. I don't want to see that person. I had to deal with that my own life. Having people that offended me, people that were, were mean to me. I didn't want to go out to certain gatherings because I don't want to see them. I don't want to have to deal with them. I didn't want to have to look the other way the whole time so I'm not looking at them. And they don't look at me. You know, when you have that in your heart, there's something wrong on the inside. You know what? And Jesus said, do all those things so that you can be children of your Father in heaven. So that people can see, oh, he's God's son. He's God's daughter. She's God's daughter. You know, you tend to behave like the person you hang out with. You tend to copy certain behaviors, certain traits of people that you hang out with. I've noticed that in my life and in a lot of people's lives. But if you're with Jesus all the time, and, and not just reading your Bible once a day and praying for an hour, be with him. Acknowledge him. Every decision you make, everything you do, acknowledge him. He's with you. He's, he's here. He's right here. He's with you. When you're with him, when you're acknowledging him, you look like him. You will begin to act like him. You will begin to talk like him. You will behave like him. But what does Jesus do? He forgives. He forgives people. And if you're not, if your heart isn't to a place to forgive people on the spot, when they offend you, right then and there, forgive them. You need to ask yourself, am I with Jesus? Am I hanging out with Jesus? And it's so cliche, but it's so true. What would Jesus do? And if you don't know what he would do, it's because you don't know who he is. You don't truly know. You haven't been with him for a long time. You haven't hung out with him. You know, I, I can predict what my wife's going to do, what my wife's going to say, what she's going to think, because I know my wife, and I love my wife, and I know everything about her, and she knows everything about me, and she can predict what I'm going to say. She can predict what I'm going to do, probably more than I can with her, because she pays more attention. But the truth is, when, when you know someone, you know what they're going to do. You know how they're going to react. You know what they're going to say. You know, with my, with my parents growing up, when I would do something that I wasn't supposed to do, I would get in trouble, um, I'd break something, whatever it is. When I was a kid, I didn't know what was going to happen. All I knew, I was going to get in trouble. That's all that I knew. But now, if I messed up, if I did something wrong, I know how my parents are going to react. I know what they're going to say to me. I know how they're going to treat me because I know them. I love them. And I'm not immature. 
I've grown. When I was a child, I was a child. I was immature. I did things that I wanted. And when I got in trouble, I didn't know what was going to happen because I was immature. I didn't care what they thought. I didn't care how they were going to feel. I cared about me. But now when you grow up, when you get some maturity inside of you, you start to care. You start to love. You start to understand other people in that life. It's not about you. It is not about you. Also, when I was uh, growing up with, with my father, I used to try tirelessly to not look like him. Everyone always told me, you look just like your dad. I'm like, no, I don't. Fix my hair different. I, I did not want to look like him because I was a child. Like I said, I was immature. I, I wanted to be my own person, who I am. But, you know, as I've gotten older, as I've grown, I've embraced looking like him. And whenever people say, you look just like your dad, it makes me feel good because I love my father. And he's a great role model for me, and I want to be just like him. But that changed over time. At first, I didn't want to do nothing. I didn't want to look like him. I didn't want to sound like him. None of that. But now, I love it. Like, I, I embrace that. I embrace that, simil sim uh, that similarity um, because I love my father. And the same thing is just like us with God. You know, when you're, when you're immature in your walk and you're doing whatever you want, you don't want to look like God. You want to do what you want to do. You want to do what you want to do. You love God. Love you, Lord. But I want to do this. I want to dabble in this over here. I want to go over here and, and do this and smoke that and do all that. You want to do whatever you want because you want to live your life. You're what the Bible says, immature. But when you age in Christianity, when you mature in life, in your Christian walk, you want to look more like him. You want to look just like your father because he's perfect. He's awesome. He's amazing. But you have to embrace who God is. Just like I had to embrace. I'm just like my dad. So stop fighting it. I need to embrace it. We too need to embrace that. We need to stop fighting. This is what God has for us. This is what he wants for us. And if you're doing this over here and doing whatever you want and thinking what you want to do is right, but he's over here, you got to stop the fight. You need to embrace what he wants. Embrace who he is, and you will look like him. You will look like him because you are born into his family. You are born again into his adoption. So you look just like him. So stop fighting it. Stop fighting who you are. Matthew 5, 13, we're going backwards. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trotted under the feet of men. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it gives light unto all that are in the house. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify you, your Father, which is in heaven. Everything we do is for God. Everything we do is to point back to God. Nothing is about you. Nothing. Nothing. And that's one of the biggest things I learned 
that got me through unforgiveness, that got me through bitterness, that offense, is self-centeredness. Start learning, not everything's about you. Nothing is about you. It's all about Jesus. It's all about who he is, not who we are, not how we feel, not what we do. It's all about who Jesus is. So if you're being offended and if you're being unforgiving towards someone, it's because it's about you. It is 100% about you. And the quicker we can realize it's not. It's not about me. I put myself behind God and put God first. Then it's so much easier to forgive. Do you know what a dead corpse would do if you insulted it? It would do nothing because it's dead. And what does the scripture say? You are dead to sin. You're alive in Christ. What's sin? Everything that's carnal. Carnality. All sin is carnal. Every single sin you commit is carnal. Is unforgiveness a sin? Well, what does Jesus say? Forgive those who offend you. Forgive them. So if you choose not to forgive them, yeah, I would consider that a sin. Because you're doing the exact opposite of what God's, God's instructing you. So when you're living in unforgiveness, you're really just living in carnality. But once you put yourself behind God, once you put yourself and recognize my flesh, my carnal flesh is nothing. That's what Paul said in Romans. He says, for I know that in me, that's in my flesh, dwells no good thing. That's what the apostle Paul said. And he had to clarify in my flesh, in our spirit, we are just like Jesus, just like him. That's why in, in 1 John, as he is, so are we. In our spirit, we are just like Jesus. We can forgive just like Jesus. We can love just like Jesus. We can heal just like Jesus. We can have joy just like Jesus, but in our flesh, in our carnal, dwells no good thing. And unforgiveness is carnal. It is 100% carnal. Thank you, Lord. It's quiet in here now. It's just a true it's just it's just a principle of truth. It's 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 freedom. When you put yourself out of the way, when you get yourself out of the way and you get God in the way, you put God first. Everything else lines up. If you put yourself before everything, it's a recipe for, for disaster because in ourselves dwells no good thing. Without the Lord, without the Spirit of the Lord doing what we need to do, our, our flesh is useless. Our flesh is nothing. The second thing I want to say is that forgiveness frees you from bondage. And if you have your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. In Matthew 18, 21, it says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often should I forgive, or how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus said, I say not to you until seven times, but until 70 times seven. So, you're not you're you're never going to deal with someone who's going to offend you 149 times in one day. That's just not going to happen. So what Jesus was saying, always forgive. Always. 
If anyone offends you, if anyone comes against you, forgive. Don't stop at 149 because you're probably never even going to get there in the first place. Then he he goes on to say, therefore, I love this parable. Is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants? And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. Now, I looked this up, and it says in the next scripture, but for as much as he had not to pay his Lord, commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children, all that he had. And so basically he couldn't pay this, this debt. This debt was unpayable. And the next uh, scripture You'll see the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me. I will pay thee all. Then go to the next one. Then the Lord said with the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him of the debt. But the debt was not payable. It was not payable. Those talents that were there are calculated to be like $10 billion today. There was no way he could have paid that debt. And so he begged his, his master, please forgive my, my debt. I'll do anything. And the same servant went out after he was forgiven and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him money. And he laid his hands on him and shook him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. And then it says his fellow servant fell down at his feet, did exactly what he did earlier and besought him saying, have patience with me. I will pay you all. Verse 30. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. And so when his fellow servants saw what he was done, they were very, very sorry. And they came and told their Lord all that was done. Then the Lord, after that, he had called them, said unto him, Oh, you wicked servant, I forgave you all of your debt because you desired me. It should, should not you also have had compassion on your fellow servants, even as I had pity on you? And the Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. And so likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you if you from your hearts forgive not every one of his brothers and their trespasses. So let me just translate this for you. This guy had a tremendous amount of debt. He could not pay it. Goes to his master and says, please please, I, I beg of you, I'll pay this. Be, be easy on me. And his master says, all right, that's fine. I'll forgive all of your debt. And this guy goes off and he's free. No more debt. But now he has people who owe him money. And he goes, you know what? I want all of my money right now. You pay me right now. And they said, I, we can't right now. We'll pay you off later. And he says, no, I want it now. Throws him into prison. You know what this person did? He didn't have forgiveness. Even though he received forgiveness from his master, he couldn't forgive his servants. He couldn't forgive those that owed him anything. The problem with that servant was that he, tru- he never truly received forgiveness. He never truly received and understood that forgiveness he was offered. Because if he would have understood it, if he would have valued that forgiveness, he would have went to his next servant and said, I forgive you. I forgive all of your debt. But that's not what he did. You know, people 
who try to please the Lord with their works and with their deeds and with how good they can be, they tend to have these judgmental mind mindsets. They tend to have these, these judgmental, religious, traditional mindsets of, oh, I'm perfect. I, I do all of these things. Look at what I can do. I'm better than you. But then when they find someone else who doesn't do those things, they judge them. They make them feel less of a Christian, less of, of a child of God. They make them feel like they don't have faith because look at what I've done. Look at how much I've accomplished in my life. But they don't understand the grace of God. They tend to miss the grace of God. And if you've received forgiveness from the Lord, but you're not willing to forgive others, it's because you put yourself on a higher pedestal. You think that you have a right to not forgive, but God forgave you. God forgave who you are. And the scripture said, so will my heavenly father also do to you from his heart who does not forgive his brothers. Does this mean that if you don't forgive someone on accident, you're going to hell? No. From your heart, if you truly do not understand the forgiveness from the Lord, if you've truly never received his forgiveness, that's what he's saying. He's saying, you don't know who I am because you don't know how to forgive. In your heart, if you cannot forgive someone because your heart is just so hard, your heart is so calloused with offense, you don't know me. That's what the scripture said in John, 1 John, that if you do not know the love of God, you do not know him. You do not know God because God is love. We have to check our hearts. It all sums back to knowing God's love. Knowing God's love and understanding how to forgive others. Once you know, once you know how much you've been loved, you will love others. You will forgive others. You will give people grace. You will give people mercy. Because why? You were received or you were given grace. You were given mercy. You were given forgiveness. And you'll understand that since you've been forgiven, there is no room for bondage. There is no room for any circumstance to keep you from your breakthrough. When you truly get the love of God, God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Lord, I receive that love. I walk in that love. What does that look like? Someone offended me. I forgive you for offending me because I love God. God loves me. God forgave me and I can forgive you. When you understand all of that, that God forgave you, what did he forgive you of? Your sin? What does sin control? The world? And where sin is, there's death. There's every form of obstacle, every form of restrictment on your life comes from sin. Sin is the author of death. Without sin, there'd be no death. And with death, there's sickness, there's poverty, there's brokenness, there's confusion. There's every single thing you need a breakthrough from. Sin was the issue. And when you get that God forgave you from sin, what does that mean? That means sin doesn't have a hold on you. And everything that's underneath the umbrella of sin can no longer keep you bound. So why is forgiveness important? Because if you do not understand, I've been forgiven. 
I can forgive. If you don't understand that, you're not going to understand that I've been forgiven from sin. I've been forgiven from bondage. I don't have to have bondage on me. I don't need to keep bondage in my life because I have been forgiven. That's why forgiveness is the most crucial point. That's why Jesus stressed it so much. Forgive your brother. If you don't forgive your brother, God won't forgive you. That's what he said. That's what Jesus said. Again, I'm not saying that if you forget to forgive one person, you're going to hell. But from your heart, you need to have an open heart to forgive every person that comes against you. I'm sure there's people in my life that I forgot to forgive years ago. Am I going to go in my prayer closet and say, Lord, forgive me, forgive uh, this person? And no, my heart already forgave everyone. I don't have to go to every single person. But whenever people come to you now, when people offend you in the moment, what are you going to do? Are you going to act out? Are you going to lash out? Are you going to hold it against you? Or are you going to forgive? Are you going to live in the love of God and let God's love show out of you to others? Or are you going to be bitter? Are you going to be unforgiving? We need to understand that forgiveness is the most important aspect to receiving breakthrough after you've received the power, after you've received the Holy Spirit, you need to have forgiveness. Now, what is the word? The word bondage, it means the state of one who is bound as a slave. And you know, Satan is the father and the author of bondage, but God is the father of freedom. God is the father of freedom. freedom. And if you can't be forgiving to others, it means you haven't received God's forgiveness. And if you haven't received his forgiveness, how can you receive anything else from him? If you can't receive his forgiveness, how can you receive healing? How can you receive blessing? How can you receive abundance? How can you receive breakthrough? Thank you so much for listening to the Deep Rooted Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more from Matthew and Stephanie, subscribe to this podcast and visit our website. From there, you will be able to contact us directly, access our live Bible study archives, and so much more. You can also find out how to partner with us in sharing the gospel all across the world. Be blessed today, continue living in the victory, and remember that you are always welcome here in our family of faith.